Welcome to the Glenelg Hopkins CMA podcast, a podcast giving you an insight to what happens behind the acronym GHCMA. Hi, I'm Liz Meacham. In this series, we're having a look at what a catchment management authority does and giving you an insight to how we are protecting and enhancing the land, the waterways and the biodiversity of the Glenelg Hopkins region of southwest Victoria. In today's podcast, we're out on the roadsides in the Victorian volcanic plains, planting banksias, she-oaks and sweet bursaria with the friends of the forgotten woodland. This group is planting naturally occurring plant species back into the landscape and creating seed orchards to future-proof the trees. It's a very planned process, with every tree and its provenance recorded and GPS tracked, so all the seed that's collected from here on in can be traced back to where the plant first started. In fact, one tree they plant on this morning has had its roots in the ground of southwest Victoria, quite literally, for hundreds of years. When we found them on the roadside on this planting day, the weather was pretty miserable, which means there's a little bit of wind noise in this recording. So we are out in the field today with Aggie and Bill from the Forgotten Woodlands group. What are we doing today? Today we are, so we planted along, this is the Yatchul Railway siding, and we planted about 800 plants here two years ago. Yep. And since then we have removed some very large stands of old pine trees and we burnt them recently. So now we're coming and planting in the spaces created. And what we're planting is silver banksia, drooping she-oak and sweet bursaria. And there's lots of, all those three species come from lots of different provenances or places. So Bill and I, and Jules is the pack horse, we are GPSing every single plant we put in so we know that this banksia comes from Pierpoint, the banksia over there comes from Yatchaw, the banksia over there comes from Frankshome, and so on. So we can come back and as if anything dies, we can replace them and see which provenances are surviving. And that's just to try and work out if there's a difference between the area that they started as a seed in? It's, we, we did some genetic work on the banks here when we first began in 2016, maybe. And so we know the genetic health of each individual population, but we know that we need to mix up the each population to, um, I suppose, encourage you know, genetic diversity within the newly created populations. Because we know that if we just plant all Yatchaw plants and nothing else, they're slowly going to inbreed and then we'll be in trouble. So we introduce lots of different populations or provenances and they'll all be able to cross pollinate with each other and be nice and healthy. And Bill, you're writing all of this down. Your job today as the scribe <laughs> is to just note where each of them come from. So we keep a record. It goes onto a database. It goes onto a database, which Christian Wilson set up for us. Uh, it's 382. 381. Alright, okay, now we've missed one. Um, this is what happens when you're talking. 
You gentlemen are all with the Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands. We are. Yes. yes. So who? Gazette Landcare Group. I am present. The Gazette Landcare Group. Yep. So can I get you to introduce yourself? So you are Peter, and I'm field naturalist, Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands, uh, committee member for the Hamilton Colran Rail Reserve. So this is your thing. You like being out and about. Greeny. Greeny. Okay. And I'm John. I'm treasurer of the Forgotten. Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands. Yes, and... Jeff, I'm involved in the Gazette Land Action Group. Great. And so you are out here today planting plants. Why? We're vegetating an old railway line, having got rid of a lot of feral pine. And the three species that we're putting out are the ones that were endemic on the volcanic plains here before they were all either chopped down for firewood or cleared for land and so there were very few of these species left. Um, yes, they're all uh, in the on the volcanic plains, the Great Victorian volcanic plains uh, and they're all disappearing over time with only remnants left in various places. So the purpose of here today, this is a seed orchard. So there'll be, for instance, uh, banks here from all different remnant plants, provenances from all through Western Victoria, uh, and they'll all be planted out here. So that in the future, uh, if the old remnants die out, which they are, then there'll be available seed to be collected from these seed orchards in the future. So the Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands, they collect, you collect seeds from native species. Old remnant trees that are still... A scientific study in, in association with... Uh, Deacon Uni and Deacon. Monash Uni, I think. Yes. So there are, it's an academic study as well. Um, genetics. So where they're studying the genetics of the, particularly the Banksias um, to see which will be uh, future climate proofing, I guess, as to which ones will be more drought tolerant so that um, as the climate changes, we know which uh, particular remnant trees would be the best ones to collect seed from. Because these varieties of trees that we're planting today were all here yes traditionally like once upon a time before the sheep turned up of oh, particularly across these western plains the banks here was enormous in quantity um, these were regarded as what's called the honeysuckle plains and honeysuckle is the old word for banks here so if you look on old maps you'll see the word honeysuckle plains which means banks here was throughout here yes yeah. and we were talking earlier that the red-tailed black cockatoo likes mm. to eat these type of... Banks, yes. 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 They yep. also happen to like pines that we happen to get rid of here. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so they, do, they do seem to like having a munch. But today you gentlemen are volunteering your time to come out. Yeah. Um, why, why is that important to come and do this to you? Well, we did it a couple of years ago during COVID. We had a big activity Unfortunately, there was a burn-off that got away last year, which cooked a lot. So oh, do we to know that we want to <laughs> publicise that? <laughs> was, anyway, we got it out. It burnt quite a few at the far end. And we've replaced those today. Yep. And now we're starting at the other end, where the pine trees were and where we couldn't plant earlier. Yep. And so it's, it's not exactly warm, sunny weather today, but obviously planting trees is important enough to you to come and do it. Drizzly weather. What else would you be doing? 
And your grandchildren will appreciate it. Everyone will. Well, that's the thing, I suppose. Once you plant a tree today, it'll grow for many generations. And I suppose re-vegetating it with natural native plants is yeah. what we want to do. There's also, like, these are the big projects along these roadside edges, which are the seed orchards, but there's also many farmers who collect um, young trees of the three types, Bessaria, she-oak and banksia, uh, off-bill, and they plant them on private properties. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they're all GPSed, um, so Bill knows exactly which plants have gone in which spot, so that they, in the future they can come back in the future and see which ones have survived and which ones have grown really well, which ones have gone. So for the Banksias, produce cones and seed, so we know what to collect from in the future. Uh, yeah, and I mean these are all people who volunteer their time, like it's, some are here on the clock, but. Um, they're working hard. Yep. And if you look um, around the district, you can see the farming plantations. When we came here 30, 40 years ago, the wind blew from one end to the other. Yeah. Now there are plantations everywhere, which greatly assists farming. Yep. Through stock shelter and insects and reptiles and uh, echidnas and all sorts of and things that come along. We're slowly getting away from planting pines and cypress, and now we're planting natives. mixed natives. Yeah. Perfect. The story of that plant is that it's it's a cut it's it's grown from a cut it's a cutting grown from a cutting right which was a take cut cutting taken from a very old tree a tree down near Bier right and it was a big old isolated mansion living on its own that's now died but fortunately a couple of people took cuttings from it and grew half a dozen trees and this is one of them and this is cutting of that so it's actually the original tree if you think of them. It is. so the tree still survives intact, to this day. With, with all its genetics intact yeah uh, to this day and we've now grown quite a few of these frank carlin grew these cuttings and so we're putting them back in the landscape so the old tree is going back where it, was, where it came from well, not, not any of them it's getting all over the place well that's right and it's quite a big seedling like that well, plant yeah, in particular is quite big compared to all of the other plants that you planted yeah, today. Yeah, it's been in a pot for a year, more than a year. Yes. Uh, there's actually a couple of years growth there, but it, um, so it's yeah, they they're a bit cuttings are slow and tricky, and but Frank's very good with them, and he he's grown. We planted ten of them here. To, to ten of them here. Right, and that's well, it's worthwhile investing that time in them though, because they're quite special. Well, they're very special, and, yeah. and they, there's. There are very few of them left in the middle of the volcanic plants, just in the middle area, and they were all isolated trees. They all had names. You know, and so there name, were that few of them that yeah, they were named. Yeah, and people were working on them in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And that's how these cuttings exist because a few people, Graham Arkenstall, Greg Wallace, and a couple of people took these cuttings and, uh, and kept a record of where they were. And we found there's a little group of three of them left at, at um, near Dundonald on Tiverton um, that were planted there that Greg yep. Wallace had taken and we found we fortunately had, had the map and we were able to work out which three trees are still there and so we've got their genetics and we've taken cuttings from them as well and wow. also seedlings. So, so the genetics of that particular tree are literally hundreds of years old. Yeah and and probably when that tree was growing when it was young would have had a lot of mates around it so it would be genetically like you to be genetically diverse and healthy 
So these trees are actually quite valuable uh, compared now where there are little patches of them, they're probably all come from one or two parents and they're more likely to be more inbred than this single old tree. And that's so it, but anyway the point is to mix them. Well I was gonna say yeah, we're now mixing them up, it, you know. it's in it's, here with all of these other plants. Yeah, we're just this is bringing in the milkman on a grand scale. <laughs> well and truly. <laughs> Grew, um, we we've grown we've put quite a lot of these orchards in now over the last They're seed eight orchards. years. Yeah, yep. seed orchards. And uh, we've taken seed from some of the first plantings of particular Berseria and the vigour of the seedlings from the mixed parentage is 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 greater. Which um, is what you want. Which is what we want. We rather hope might yeah. happen. <laughs> well in cattle and sheep yeah. breeding you want hybrid vigour. So yeah. this is like hybrid vigour in trees. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually it as I understand it plants are actually more vulnerable than animals to inbreeding so it's actually quite you know it can be quite significant well it's good we've got so much diversity out here yeah no no this is just <laughs> aggie good. you're putting in the gps coordinates yes of every tree that's going in so what, basically what happens with that okay so when we plant especially on public sites we build plainly gps every single tree that we plant so we've got record of the provenance that that plant comes from, when it was planted, um, etc. So then we that all gets mapped um, onto a GPS through GPS records and we can bring it up and it just looks like a big long line of a whole lot of blue dots. But the beauty of it is you can go in and click on individual blue dots and find out the information behind that. And what Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands do is we go back and we revisit sites every year and where there have been any deaths we record that we replant with the same provenance and the same species and we we continue to monitor annually so after a few years we start to get different colors appearing in this map where we put in replacements so all the information is there on the dots we can and that way we can start to build up a record of other provenances doing better than others um, are some provenances just dying? Are they just dying at some sites and not others? But just so we can keep a bit of a record of, of which, you know, of each of the species do yep. the best. And that way I suppose you can see which one's the strongest, which the strongest survive or if it's there's any pattern to what's yes. happening. Yep, absolutely. And not that that doesn't mean that we'll stop planting the ones that continue to die, but it does just, you know, will help us plan out other plantings and think do we plant more of those ones and hope that a few of them survive or so on but it just yeah it gives us a good record of, of the I suppose the patterns of the three keystone species that we plant. And Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands is just around the Dunkeld, Hamilton, Penshurst area. Where does their reach go? We cover the entire volcanic plains so this year was actually a really exciting year our first seed production area or SPA of Banksy's was planted by the Mary Creek Management Committee in and Melbourne. In Melbourne? In Melbourne, which is really exciting because one, that gets us right to the eastern end of the volcanic plains, but also a much drier climate. So we're mixing different provenances. Um, we've got a couple of SPAs planted in Kerangamite this year, which is really special. So while the group started here in the um, western volcanic plains, so in the Dunkeld area, We've, we're sort of reaching further and further east all the time, which is what we want because we want to 
cover the entire extent of the volcanic plains and and make sure we're getting as much I suppose gene flow genetic diversity but also the whole range of climatic variation well that's I was going to say we with that diversity of landscape you've also got the opportunity to have a diversity of geographic soil types of climate types so what doesn't grow in the western region might grow in the eastern region and this sort of gps mapping can tell you about that yeah absolutely so we will see so so those trees that have been planted in melbourne will be mapped we'll go back next year and we'll have a look at those and see what survival rates there are and replace anything but one of the things we do when we plant an spa it's made up of 500 plants and there will be anywhere from 10 to 20 provenances planted in that but we always we have a certain percentage 10 to 20 percent of what we plant is what we call climate matched plants so that's where we've used the the mapping that Greening Australia have done and we base it on 2080 um, estimates of what climates will be like and so we bring plants in from those climates so for example when we do it SBA planting down around Dunkeld we brought in plants from up around Euroa up in central Victoria around Avoca and from across on the Werribee Plains and because we know that we are going to get drier so we want to introduce those genetics now to give those plants time to cross-pollinate and the offspring from those to have that I suppose you know ability to cope with dry climates. Okay and of course one of the problems with planting on roadsides is that it is a public roadside and cars do go past so while we're while we are planting the vehicles are coming past so these public areas aren't necessarily signposted because we don't want people coming and pinching trees or is it just that they're just planted and it just is they yeah some they're just planted and it just is so we have an arrangement with vic track for this site um i suppose the reason we're planting here is that there's the remnant banksia population here um we do have one enormous beautiful planting near skipton on the glenelg highway that does have huge signs um it just all depends on the the road manager and and also just it takes quite a bit to organize signs for roadside planting so sometimes we just don't bother and yes you're right sometimes it's better just not to draw attention to what we're doing um in saying that here we've worked very closely with all the adjoining landholders who are very on board and supportive of what we're doing so um yeah it's a bit sort of you know different scenario for each site right and if people are listening to this and they're in the far eastern area or the far western area and want to get involved with something like the friends of the forgotten woodlands they can go online and find out about it or we can put some contact details yes about it yes so we do have a facebook page and a website that are undergoing um improvements shall we say but there there'll be somewhere that someone can find some contact details so um it's not just going to be the same people planting forever and a day yes we've got someone from mitcham today planting which is fantastic yep for someone to drive all the way so yeah yep
thanks to the very enthusiastic tree planters who let us stop them for just a second to have a bit of a chat about what they've been up to. The Friends of the Forgotten Woodland extend their work all the way across the Victorian Volcanic Plains area, which extends from Melbourne almost to the South Australian border. So if you're in that area and want to find a little bit more about what they do or how you might be able to get involved, you can find them online. They are Friends of the Forgotten Woodlands on Facebook, or you can find their website at www.friendsoftheforgottenwoodland.org.au. And if you'd like to find out what else we're up to at the CMA, you can find us online too. Our website is at ghcma.vic.gov.au or you can find us on social media. On Facebook, you can find us as Glenelg Hopkins CMA or on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow us as GHCMA. Thanks for listening.